Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Words can have a great impact on people, on places, even countries in the world. Take a politician. He gives a campaign address or a speech and it changes the life of the entire country. Or a lawyer. As he argues a point in court, it can change the whole outcome of the trial. Or how about preachers that preach maybe a revival? They get people's faith on fire and they change their lives dramatically for the better. Well, words have power associated with them. Now, words are conveyed, either written or spoken. Words also can have a demonic as well as a holy aspect associated with them. Just look at Hitler in his book Mein Kampf, which led millions and millions into World War II. Or just the opposite. You look at the sermons of Bishop Sheen in the 1950s on TV. They strengthen Catholics, in fact, converted thousands of people to our church. Look at the best-selling book in world history. Par excellence is the Bible. The Bible we read, we pray. And when we read it, we come to know who we are. We come to know our stories and our faith, our rituals and our laws, and we come to know our identity. Now that's a great segue into the first reading from the book of Nehemiah. Now, it's important for us to really understand the context in which this first reading is set in. Right now, it's 587 B.C. The Babylonians have conquered the Israelites. The city walls of Jerusalem were breached. The temple was looted, and the city of Jerusalem is destroyed. The people of Israel are taken off in chains to live as slaves to the Babylonians in present-day Iraq. Now, it's important to note The Israelites now are cut off. They're cut off from their history. They're cut off from their stories and their law. And they're cut off from their ability to worship God. What makes matters worse is after living with the Babylonians for several years, the Israelites begin to assimilate into the Babylonian culture and their way of life. And in doing so, they begin to lose their sense of identity. They begin to lose a sense of, that define them as a nation and God's holy people. And so, after about a hundred years of living with the Babylonians, the Babylonians were then conquered by the Persians. And King Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, told the Israelites to go home. He set them free. And yet, he doesn't tell them to go home all at once. He lets them go little by little. Well, after some time, It was Nehemiah's chance to go home, and he took it. He finally reaches Jerusalem, and he finds it in the worst possible state. Jerusalem was once the great city, in fact, the greatest city of all of Israel. It's now in shambles. The culture has been compromised. The temple lies in ruins. And so God appoints Nehemiah to lead the rebuilding process. 
And yet Nehemiah first starts with building the identity of the Israelite people. Before any physical buildings are erected, the first priority is to establish the identity of the Israelite people. And it's done first and foremost with education. We would refer to it in our day and age as faith formation. Nehemiah must re-educate the Israelites to their tradition, to their stories, to their law, to their worship. Remember again, the Israelites lived in exile for approximately 100 years, which is several generations. During that time, the Israelites assimilated themselves into the culture of Babylonians. They adopted many of their values and their ways. Well, the identity of the Israelites was compromised. They forgot who they were, not only as a nation, but as the chosen people of God. And so this is a great crisis. Well, this is a great lesson for us all, too. We have to understand, part of knowing who we are is knowing who we are not. And part of defining ourselves is knowing what we stand for and what we stand against. This is why it's so important for us to remain closely connected to the church. Through Mass, through prayer, through faith formation, by volunteering, our identity is always rooted in the life of the church, rooted in the life of God. And as long as it is, we will know our identity as Catholics. We will know our faith, we will be able to live it out, and better yet, we'll be able to pass it on to the next generation. As I've said so many times, the Catholic faith is one generation away from extinction. If we don't pass it on to the next generation, it becomes extinct. In fact, I've been talking with many grandparents over the past several months, and they are working diligently to pass on their faith to their grandchildren. Why? Because their own children have strayed, have wandered away from the church, and now the grandparents are fearing the fact that their grandchildren will also stray. And so they are working tirelessly to pass on their faith to their grandchildren. Now, with that in mind, let's go back into the first reading. Nehemiah appoints Ezra, who is a scribe or a teacher, to teach the people. Now Ezra is standing in the middle of the courtyard of the temple. All the people are around him, and he begins to read the law, the Torah, which consists of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He reads to them, but he also interprets to them so that they can understand it. Well, again, this is a great example of faith formation. This is what we do at the parish level. We teach the kids and we help them understand the faith so that they can live it out. Now, it's interesting. Ezra, he's reading the law to the people throughout the entire morning and the afternoon. And it's not just a few people. It's all the people all the men, all the women, all the children. This is a great example of what we refer to in our day and age as lifelong faith formation. We must continue to grow in the knowledge of our faith, whether we're 8 years old or 80 years old. Growing in the knowledge of our faith makes our faith stronger. We always have to remember, faith won't grow if you don't want to know. In order for us to grow our faith, we have to grow in a greater awareness and understanding of it so that we can live it out. Therefore, we have to seize all the opportunities we can. The kids have to seize opportunities to learn about their faith and go out and live it in the community, 
teenagers can go on mission trips or Steubenville. For our adults, we have men's groups or mom's groups. We have Alpha or Bible study. These are all opportunities for us, like the people in the first reading, to grow in the knowledge of our faith so that faith can be stronger. Now, the people in the first reading, they listen and they come to accept who they are in their identity. Well, so too with us. When we seize these opportunities to grow in our faith, we become more rooted in our identity as God's chosen people. Now, after Ezra finishes, the people yell, Amen, Amen. Well, upon hearing the laws and the stories and the rituals, the Israelite people rediscover their identity, their identity in relationship with God. And therefore, they yell out, Amen, Amen. In some ways, they ratified, they accepted their identity. And yet, it all first started with what? Faith formation. good analogy would be, say, sports with little kids. If I gave a soccer ball to some little kids and told them, go out in the field and play soccer, but didn't tell them how to play the game or the rules, well, it would be nothing but chaos, and they wouldn't have any fun. But before I gave them the ball... I taught them the game of soccer. I taught them the rules or the laws of soccer. Well, then they would know how to play it. And therefore, they would go out in the field and they would have a lot of fun. Well, the same thing holds true with us. In order for us to grow in our faith, we have to engage it, seize opportunities for us to grow in a greater understanding of it. I think Augustine puts it best. He says, faith-seeking understanding. The first starts off with faith at the moment of our baptism, and then we are compelled to understand it more. And the more we understand it and grow in the knowledge of it, the more our faith grows. And the more our faith grows, the more we're compelled to grow in a greater knowledge of it. For us, it all started with baptism. That was the moment we received faith. And then our parents helped us to understand our faith in simple ways, first teaching us the sign of the cross teaching us grace before meals. And then it continue on in grade school, in high school, and as adults. Faith seeking understanding. They both build upon each other. And yet, what's the great spiritual temptation? To follow the Israelites' example, the very beginning of the story. To stop listening. Stop listening to the stories in Scripture. Stop listening to the rituals and the laws that define us. We may see this unfolding in our own day and age. There's a recent Pew poll that came out five or six years ago that said that 25%, 25% of all Catholics in the United States attend Mass on a regular basis. Well, if we lose our identity as Catholics, who will tell us who we are? Well, our secular culture will, our mass media will. They will seek to define us, tell us who we are, how we should live our lives, and what we should value. In order for us to avoid this temptation, we have to heed the words of St. Paul. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Paul says, Faith comes from listening to the word of God. Well, that's exactly what the people in the first reading are doing. Always listening to the stories, the rituals, and the law. Well, we have to do the same thing ourselves. That's why it's lifelong faith formation. Whether we're 8 years old or 80 years old, we can never stop learning about our faith. Because when we do continue to learn about our faith, our faith grows stronger for it. And we will never, ever forget our identity.
we will know exactly who we are as Catholics. One last thing to think about. Fast forward to the gospel. We see the same thing happening. Jesus teaching the people the word of God in the synagogue. But notice the sequence. Jesus, he stands up and he reads from sacred scripture. The people listen. Jesus explains or interprets the sacred scripture and the people understand. Jesus then teaches the people how to apply it in their life. That's a great sequence. You see this in all the parishes, that same sequence continuing on in this day and age, in lifelong faith formation. Whether it's grade school, whether it's high school or adult faith formation, Catholics come to the Catholic Church, just like the Israelites came to the temple in the first reading, to listen, to understand, and apply that knowledge in their daily life so that their identity is always rooted in Jesus Christ and one in which it'll never be forgotten. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.